All right, welcome back. Uh, this is Kyle High Club. Uh, this will be MMA episode number seven, I believe. Yep, number seven. I'll primarily be discussing uh, this past weekend's fight between uh, Edson Barboza and Justin Gaethje. That was the main card, and of course, a bunch of other fights underneath that. Uh, this is the card UFC on ESPN number two. Not They weren't on ESPN two, they were on the ESPN for the second time. Um, and they turned it into some pretty good hell of fights. Early prelims were on ESPN Plus, and prelims and main car were on ESPN for, you know, six to eight hours. So that's pretty cool. Um, and it's just crazy to see this sport on ESPN now. You know, every day before I went to school when I was a kid, ESPN was on TV. When I came home and did homework, ESPN was on TV. Always got the latest sports update. Now I don't even have cable myself. But if I did, it, my TV would constantly be on ESPN. Now, saying that, you know, I never saw fighting or mixed martial arts on ESPN when I was younger. So now I, you know, even though I don't have a cable subscription and wouldn't even watch ESPN, um, it'd be cool. It's cool that people that do and are ESPN nuts and just sports nuts, they'll see more and more of this shit. And, you know, they'll start updating, uh, you know, they have the ticker at the bottom and you'll see the latest MMA news down there and fight results and, you know, anything and everything that's happening UFC and that's pretty exciting. Um, and as, you know, I'm a, I'm a newish fan to this, so I, I, I'm really excited to see it and the more coverage it gets, the more of this sport should grow, more people should respect it and just... You know, not just see it as cage fighting. And actually, I watched a couple fights with a, with a, not a girlfriend, but a friend that's a girl of mine. Um, that's the second time I've randomly watched fights with two, with girls that have never seen fights before. And both of them were like, wow, I thought I, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. And yeah, the most people end up saying that. I said the same thing when I first started watching, especially if you watch it with somebody that knows what's going on so they can explain you, you know, the sh- you know, when they're hugging each other on the ground, the grappling situations, the transitions on the ground, what they're fighting for, you know, while the guys are just standing there, um, not really throwing anything, but they're moving back and forth, uh, left to right, gauging distance, uh, speed, timing, all that stuff. Uh, you know, instead of just watching it by yourself and being like, okay, these guys are in fighting, it's, it's, I think it's ideal to watch it with somebody that, at least has an idea of the sport and knows why these guys are doing what they're doing. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's jump into it. Uh, first fight of the night was Alex Perez versus Mark De La Rosa. Um, honestly, this fight kind of went the way I expected. Uh, Perez just dominated him. You know, he didn't dominate him, but he was definitely better than him in every aspect of the fight, which I guess you could say is domination. Um he he looked really good on his feet. I thought De La Rosa had a puncher's chance on the feet. He's shown in the past he threw some wild flurries, like three to four to five, you know, hooks in a row, hook combinations in a row where he would, you know, seem like accidentally or like surprisingly stun or knock a guy down. But, you know, he consistently did it, so it, I don't think it was a, a lucky thing. It seemed like a thing he... He often does, so just based off that, I bet a little money on De La Rosa, obviously ended up losing it, um, but he was a sizable underdog, so I thought, hey, what's what's five or ten bucks, fuck it, um, but Therese, Perez looked uh, looked really good, I had the bout scored 30-27, um, and all three judges had it same, he had, when he was on the feet, he looked really good, um, and uh, his distance looked real good. His timing, his footwork, uh, his feints, uh, his head movement looked really solid. Uh, and then when he got it to the ground, he had good top control and really good, excellent wrist control to where uh, De La Rosa couldn't do anything. He couldn't get back up. He couldn't, uh, you know, throw strikes from the bottom or try submissions or any of that. So Perez looked really good. He was ranked. He was fighting at 125 in the flyweight division, but he's moved up recently. This is his first fight in like over a year, I believe. And this was at 135. He's currently ranked number seven at 135. And uh, you know he should definitely stay in that top ten and actually fight a guy in the top fifteen at least. Uh, 
possibly top 10 and see where he goes from there because this guy looks pretty solid. Uh, he's only 27, so future's bright for him. Um, and I expect that he won't be on the early prelim, you know, opening bout. Um, so rank guy, get, get him some good fights. Um, so yeah, it was a good fight to start off the night. <clears throat> Uh, second fight after that was between Sabina Mazo and Marina Maros. Um, and uh, Sabina Mazo is actually the first Colombian women's UFC fighter ever. Her nickname is Colombian Queen. She's from Medellin. Um, I believe she's the betting favorite, and she actually had. Uh, well, actually. Marina Maros had an early takedown in the first and some clinch fighting, so she definitely won won that first round. Um, and actually gave the second to Maros too. She just looked dominant. Um, and just better in every facet. But as the fight uh, went along, Sabina Mazo started to look more and more uncomfortable, and she looked really good in the third. And she, in closing the third round, um, she looks solid. Uh, both fighters look solid, but I ended up giving the decision to Marina Moroz, 29-28. Gave her the first two rounds, gave Sabina the the last one, and uh, the judges pretty much saw it the same. One judge had it 30-27, uh, Marina Moroz, so they gave all, all the rounds to her, which I could definitely see, and the other two gave 29-28. And, I mean, both girls look solid. I think Sabina just... Uh, Took a little while to get adjusted to the bright lights of the UFC. This was her debut. Um, you know, she had previously been undefeated, not faced much adversity in pro- her professional career. Um, I ran into a savvy veteran in Marina Moros, uh, who had some time off and really uh, looks like she really upped her game. You know, um, stood her ground on the feet, and then when she had her taken down and in the clinch, she looked really solid. Didn't allow Mazo to get comfortable. Uh, so kudos to her. Kudos to both of them. I look forward to seeing both of them in their next fight. I know Mazo will probably do better, you know, now that she's got that debut behind her. Um, and they, they both should look pretty solid going forward, and I'm excited for that. Um, uh, what weight division was that again? They were at women's flyweight, so 125. So, yeah, you know, with the new division and these two ladies... Uh, they could definitely be uh, contenders in the very, very near future. Um, so that was a good fight as well. Um, and the last fight on the early prelims was between Ray Borg and Casey Kenny. Um, and this this decision had me uh, pretty butthurt, honestly, and especially with all Ray Borg's uh, past history, you know, with the sun you know, going through a variety of medical issues and surgeries, you know, with that and Borg having his own medical issues, not being able to fight from the McGregor bus incident and even things before that where he had fighters pull out. He hadn't fought for over 500 days. Uh, So I was really looking forward to Ray Borg coming in here and possibly getting a W. And honestly, I scored the bout. I had all three rounds going to Ray Borg. Um... And it's not like he dominated Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny looked really, really solid, especially on the ground. His transitions, you know, Borg. Uh, and the reason I had Borg winning the rounds is because I just think he did more damage overall. You know, he didn't really land any damage while he took Kenny to the ground, when he took Casey Kenny to the ground. But when he did take him to the ground, each time there were power slams. He's literally lifting the dude off his feet, holding him in the air. You know, carrying him a little bit, walking him around, and then he would slam his entire body weight on him. That is damage. Even if he gets up right after that, you have to count that takedown. Because that's not easy. You know, if you just scoop a dude and just hold him on your shoulder and then like a sack of potatoes and slam his ass to the ground, that has to count for something. Even if the dude pops up right after that. And he, he he didn't pop up after that, too. It's not like he instantly popped up. Yeah, he, he Casey Kenny's, his scrambles were fucking great. They were really good. But you still got taken down, bro. You still got slammed like a sack of potatoes, like a crash test dummy. So that's got to count for something. 
And then when they were on the feet, I thought he Ray Borg had better strikes. He had better control of, of the octagon. Um, and honestly, I, I think he just got robbed of the decision. I don't know what the judges were fucking looking at. Um, you know, Kenny definitely belongs in the UFC. He definitely showed promise. He showed some talent. Uh, I didn't see too much striking of his. He definitely did clip Borg a couple times, but I think Borg had the more damaging strikes and more uh, more volume as well. Um, you know, I haven't looked at the numbers. I don't looking, like looking at the numbers because numbers don't tell a story, especially in a fight where you can just keep tap. You can tap a guy 100 times, but if you have one damaging head kick to the face, that head kick beats out the 100 shitty, you know, pussy-ass punches, in my opinion. Um, so I don't really know what these judges were looking at. I thought Kenny got outclassed along the fence, and Borg basically put the fight where he wanted to and controlled and dominated position the entire round from beginning to end bell. So I'm not sure what the judges saw. I had it 30-27, and all the judges had it for Kenny. One of them had it 27-30, which I just can't believe, and the other two had it 29-28, which I can closer believe, but I I don't because I had all three rounds to Borg, and I feel really shitty for him that he didn't get the decision. It really sucks because he could really need the money, especially after losing uh, or missing weight. So he had to forfeit 20% of his purse. Plus, he doesn't get a win bonus. So this guy's going home with, you know, 20% less than he expected going into the weekend. And, you know, he still has got to pay his managers and trainers like that. So who knows how much he has left? I feel really bad for him, man. And I hope nothing, and I I really hope his son stays healthy and that, you know, he doesn't need any more medical bills. Otherwise, I mean, I think we'll see Borg back in the ring soon because he hasn't fought in a while and he... he even if his son wasn't, you know, going going through the shit, he probably needs the money. Uh, he probably wants to fight. He's probably itching. Um, but I don't know, man. I guess you could just can't leave it to the judges. If you want to fucking win, just knock the guy out. I know it's not that simple, but I think they really fucked up Borg on that, and I feel really, really fucking shitty for him. <sighs> yeah, that's how the early prelims ended. I was... I verbally was like, what the fuck? Um, whatever, man. I guess I could watch it again and maybe... I don't even know, man. I watched it pretty close. I watched all the fight, all these fights, not you know, distracted by anything else. Just watching the fights, scoring them at the end of the round and writing down notes here and there that I saw that I could talk about later on on this. So I don't know, man. Um... <sighs> the start off the prelims, we had Kevin Holland versus Gerald Mershot. Uh, this was an alright fight. Honestly, it was kind of boring. It wasn't that boring. It was, um, if you're interested in the ground game and jujitsu and transitions and how you can pretty much just fight without striking, uh, this would be a good fight to watch. These guys just went back and forth trying submissions and, uh, you know, grappling each other on ground and things like that. Um, at the end, I had no idea who would win. I honestly scored it as a draw myself. And I tried going back after the fights and scoring it not as a draw, but that's if a judge did that, that'd be illegal. So I'm not going to do that. In the moment I scored it a draw, so I'm going to keep it as a draw. The first round, first two rounds, I actually, well, first round I had as a draw because I don't think really anything happened. Uh, second round, I had Kevin Holland because I think he tagged him. Um, a couple times, and then the third round I had Mershot uh, winning, so I gave it a draw, and I could definitely see the first round going to Holland because he finished the first round on Mershot's back, um, landed some ground and pound, so I could definitely see how a W went to him, and the judges scored it 29-27 Holland, 29-28 for Mershot, and then 30-27 for Holland, um, I'm not really sure where these judges are getting these scoring from again. Um, I can see the 29-28 Mersh shot, even though I didn't score it that way. I can't see the 30-27. I don't see all three rounds going to Holland. I just don't. Um, and then I really don't see how you get a 29-27. So that means Kevin Holland won two of the rounds, but in one of the rounds you gave Mersh shot an eight. I don't see an eight round in there. I don't think any 
either of them dominated at any point in the fight ever. Uh, it was just back and forth uh, MMA jiu-jitsu, you know, display just going on. Um, so who knows? Um, and I really did not like Kevin Holland's uh, interviews that he gave after the fight. Um, he basically just complained how Gerald just, he literally said humped him and hugged him the entire time, which I don't understand. This is MMA. It's a fight. If a guy's going to hold you down, you got to get the fuck back up, bro. And then he's talking about how Mershot was just trying to hug him and hold him down the whole time. But when he was down and, you know, Kevin Holland was able to transition and get out of it, he didn't go standing up. He went for another submission. He kept it on the ground himself. So I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about. I think he just likes to talk to try to get his name, you know, further promoted. Um, and that's obviously clear. We've kind of known... I kind of talked about that before in this. Um, that's how he got his USA debut because nobody wanted to fight Tiago Santos on short notice. But Dana White was like, fuck it. This guy talks so much shit. Let's see if he'll do it. And he did. Congrats to him. He stepped up. But in this fight, no, honestly, I think he, he should have finished Mershot. He should have, you know, he he was able to get out of Mershot's uh, submissions and Control, but instead of flipping in and go back to the feet where he had a side of advantage, you could probably knock him out and finish him. He just stayed on the ground with him and willingly accepted the humping. So I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, bro. Um, if you don't want to get humped in a fight, then fucking get the guy off you and stand it back up, you dumbass. Like, come on. So it was just annoying to hear that. Um, Whatever. Um, honestly, I hope they give him a, a dominant wrestler next time and they just hold him down the entire time and ground and pound his face in the ground. You know, I honestly don't root for guys to get beat up, but um, just, and he kept saying it. It wasn't one interview right after the fight. He said it. He just kept saying it over and over again. And I think it was very disrespectful to the game overall and his opponent because his opponent was putting him dangerous several times. He almost had him tapped out. Um, you know, he had great transitions to get out of it. And, you know, I applaud him for that. But, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Um, anyways, the next fight was between Enrique Barzola and Kevin Aguilar. Uh, this was a really solid fight. I uh, wasn't sure how this would end up going because uh, I thought both guys were solid. Um, I know Barzola liked to take pressure and get takedowns along the fence and things like that, but it also had very decent boxing. Um, but Aguilar's a nice uh, up-and-comer. He's got good stand-up. He's got solid stand-up. He just stands his ground with very straight punches, technical punches. Uh, he's got fast hands, too. Uh, he ended up stuffing all of Barzola's takedowns. Uh, as I said, he had great boxing. And it was a great fight to watch. I ended up scoring it 29-28 to Kevin Aguilar. I gave the first two rounds to Aguilar and then the last one to Barzola. Um, and all judges also scored it 29-28 to Aguilar. Um, so I got nothing complained in that standpoint. Um, it was a great fight to watch. Uh, Aguilar got his ninth win in a row, so that's pretty solid. Maybe we could see him fighting, uh, not saying Barzola wasn't a competition because he definitely was, but somebody, you know, further up there in the rankings, even though they're unranked and he should still probably face an unranked guy. Um, you know, somebody right outside that echelon of, you know, top 15, top 20. Because um, so I think this guy could be a, a solid a solid prospect. Uh, he's 17-1 and one right now. So, I mean, dude's solid. He's on a roll. It's uh, Look forward to seeing him and Barzola in the future. Uh, Barzola looks solid too. Um, even though he can get his takedowns, he 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 looked decent on his feet. Um, he just got outstruck. Uh, but the ending of the fight was amazing. The guys just stood there and fucking traded back and forth. Uh, I think that's why I gave Barzola the third round. I think he just landed more damaging strikes in that little exchange. So I gave it to him. And I guess the judges thought the same. Um, so it was a great fight by these two guys. And I look, I gave. You know, they gained a fan out of me out of out of watching these. And, you know, it took me a little time to do the preview episode and all the research behind, you know, some of these up-and-comers I haven't heard before or I have heard of them before, but I haven't seen too many fights or remember them. Um, and now that I'm doing the research behind it, man, it, it's awesome just for myself because uh, I can understand who these guys were, how they're developing and growing from fight to fight. Um it's just exciting to see uh, 
the maturity and growth of, of fighters in between fights. Um, and, I mean, I'm becoming fans of these guys, uh, you know, on the undercards, even if they lose and they're, and, and they're losing efforts, you know. I gained my respect for Barzola and De La Rosa, Sabina Mazo, I talked about earlier, even Jara Marshad, even though he lost and I talked shit about Kevin Holland. You know, respect to all these guys. And his respect to Casey Kenny, although I didn't think he really won the fight, he looks solid. He belongs in the UFC. Look forward to seeing him fight too. So this is awesome, man. I fucking love this stuff. Um, the next fight <laughs> was between Ross Pearson and Desmond Green. And honestly, this kind of went how probably a lot of people thought it would. Um, Desmond Green is just a way better athlete than Ross Pearson, especially later in Pearson's career. I mean, he's just slowed down. He's 30 plus. He's probably 36 plus. He's probably like, what, 38 or some shit? I don't even know. Um, yeah, this one ended quick. Uh, first round TKO. Uh, two minutes and 52 seconds in. Ross Pierce is only 34, so my bad. But he's been around forever, so he's took a lot of damage. He's also not the most agile, athletic guy. Whereas Desmond Green, that's what he is. Uh, you know, he stays on the outside, uh, keeps his distance. Um, yeah, he had a greatly timed, sh- um, greatly timed shot, you know, to go for the takedown on Pearson. He tripped him. Um, and then finished with some great ground and pound against the fence uh, against Pearson, and Pearson really had no answer, and he t- TKO'd him pretty quickly. Got out of there with the W. And, you know, there were some great fights later on that definitely deserved performance bonuses o- over Desmond Green because they were, you know, against stiffer competition, higher in the card, etc. But I really think, and I said this earlier, I think we should give a... F- a finish bonus, man. You know, ten or twenty grand to any guy that finishes a fight because, although Desmond Green was the highest uh, favorite in this card, man, he hasn't he hasn't performed in the past, and there were still some questions whether he can get it done versus a veteran, a savvy veteran, Ross Pearson, man, and he did it. He finished him in the first round, and Pearson doesn't get finished often. You know, he's a tough dude, but uh, no, I think. A little extra money should be thrown his way just because he, he did finish it. And it was a real nice uh, real nice performance. And it was the first finish of the night, too. Um, you know, the fights before weren't boring, but it was the first finish. Um, and there weren't too many finishes until we got to the later cards. And, you know, we'll talk about that right now. Now, the next fight uh, to finish off the prelims between Marina Rodriguez and Jessica Aguilar. Uh, excuse me um, and this went pretty much how I thought it would uh, Marina would stay on the distance use her striking ability or athleticism advantage over Aguilar and just outpoint her outstrike her uh, for most of the fight and that's what happened um, you know, Aguilar's tough as hell. She was bloodied up the entire fight. Tough as nails. Impossible to finish, it seems like. Um, but Rodriguez was just the better fighter. You know, she even got minus one point in the first round for two eye pokes from no-nonsense Keith Peterson, which I really like. You know, you get one eye poke, you know, you get a warning, and then after that, you take a minus point. No more, there's a warning bullshit. I like that. No-nonsense from Keith Peterson. I fuck with it. Um... You know, if you're going to be a referee or an umpire in any sport, you got to establish your dominance right away. Not saying just give points away in the beginning, but you got to you got to let them know. You know, they gonna to learn today. Um, so even with the minus one in the first round, I gave Marina the first round, which would have been ten nine, but it ended up being nine nine because of minus one. And then the second round, I had a ten eight because I thought she just dominated her. And then the third round, I had ten nine for Rodriguez as well. And it looks like the rest of the judges agree with me at 29-26, 29-27, 29-27. So all three judges gave all three rounds to her, and one of them gave a 10-8 round. I'm assuming the second, like I did. Um, so I didn't fuck up this fight. <laughs> and I think they did decent for most of, most of the night, except for the Ray Borg fight. I don't know what they were looking at. But uh, it's good, good in the prelims, and those are two... 
um, or at least Marie, you know, Aguilar's a savvy veteran, she's like, she was older, how old is she, 30, let's say 38, but I can't remember, yeah, 36, so she's up there, but, uh, Rita Rodriguez is up and comer, and she's 11-0-1, so she's still undefeated, she might be 12-0-1, I don't know if they've updated the website yet, but, uh, okay, I thought she was younger, she's 31, but either way, Strawweight, 115, she's definitely, could be a top five, uh, she probably deserves a top 15 fighter now, so I, I'd like to see that in her next bout. Um, and that into the prelims, and I'm just going to go ahead and take a little break here right now, and then I'll come back, talk the main card, uh, I'll talk who got performance bonuses, and then, you know, latest news and the rest of the UFC slash MMA world. And yeah, see you soon. All right, and welcome back. Um, I'll go through the main card now. Uh, fight to start off the main card was between Sodiq Yusuf and Shimon Morales. Uh, this was an interesting fight for sure. Um, I think we saw a lot from both guys. Uh, that we haven't seen before in the past. Um, I know with uh, Sadiq, let's see, eight. He used to be, used to be, he was a Contender Series alum, um, and he's from Nigeria. We got this Africa slash Nigeria push lately in the UFC. You know, Kamara Usman recently got the title from Woodley, uh, and then of course there's Francis Nagano. He's not from Nigeria, but somewhere else in Africa forget where uh, I felt like it was Ghana but yeah that's besides the point but um, you know as the sport is growing not only in the US it's growing exponentially in the rest of the world you know USC is building performance institute in China that's going to be three times the size of the one they have in Vegas currently uh, I think they're going to do one in Mexico uh, or they're going to do like a couple in Mexico um where else they mention they do one, but this world is expanding rapidly, and it's cool to see, especially f- see fighters from communities and parts of the world where, you know, there's not much chance for opportunity outside of, you know, their daily struggles. So it's cool that this sport is uh, expanding globally, and that people from rough conditions can. You know, essentially, essentially fight, literally fight their way out of poverty and bring you know their themselves and their family into better circumstances, and that's what's so beautiful about sports in general is how it can connect uh, and improve and grow. You know, not the individuals, not only the individuals that are playing, but also their families and you know fans of the individuals behind them or you know teams or whatever you know the sport may be. Um, you know, it's more than just a game. Um, you know, it's a livelihood and making people's lives better. Um, so that's great. You know, you know, some of these people don't have chances to get cushy office jobs where they do nothing all day. Um, you know, they have to fight for a living and honestly, it's probably better than sitting behind a desk as far as your mental human mind spirit. Um, you know, feel like you're actually accomplishing something. Um, so it's cool. Um, as far as the fight itself, uh, where are my notes on it? Uh, here we go. Uh, I gave the first round to Sadiq mainly because of leg kicks. Um, they kind of just fouled each other out, um, in the beginning of the fight. So there wasn't too much going on in the first round. Um, and then the second round I actually gave to Shaman Morales because, uh, he just looked better. He looked like the more uh, active fighter and that's really it. He just was more active and had landed more in the second round and then the third I gave it to Sadiq because he dropped Shaman in the third um it was a really good fight real technical fight back and forth you could see that each guy respected the other guy's power uh Sadiq's a very powerful guy and so Shaman with the that straight right punch uh he's dropped plenty of guys with it in the past um so I think they both fought a technical uh, fight uh especially Shaman Morales you know dealing with Sadiq's power and his sheer athleticism um he's very patient and showed a high fight iq although he didn't get the w uh i think uh you know as i said he he showed uh 
high intelligence in this fight, and, you know, both guys look good, and I look forward to seeing both of them again. They should both get a higher-ranked opponent. And, you know, just because you lose, you know, to a guy that's on the up-and-come doesn't mean that should drop your stock any. Um, if anything, I, should, I think it should bump Shaman Morais. Uh, oh, I called him Morales with that, because that's what uh, I had written down, but his name's actually Morais, so my bad. Shaman Morais. Um so I think both guys look good, and they both uh, deserve, uh, you know, a rise in their stock. Um, and then this next fight, this next fight was was pretty great to watch. Um, There's just a lot of back and forth. Um, this is between Paul, the Bear Jew, Craig, and Kennedy. Oh, God, I can't say his last name. I'm going to call him Kennedy. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Kennedy Nunchikyu. Nanjeku, that's got to be kind of close, but um, yeah, it looked like Kennedy, I gave him the first two rounds, he was, uh, you know, he was putting it to Paul Craig on his feet, um, he dropped Craig in the first with the knee, um, you know, I thought he was going to get the win as long as he kept his difference, dif- distance and stayed away from Craig and from the ground and his uh, submission attempts. And uh, Paul Craig knew the path for victory. That's what was great about this fight. The entire fight, he was pulling guard, uh, just blindly shooting takedowns, you know, without any setup or punches behind it. But it's because he kind of knew he could do that. He knew Kennedy was green on the ground. Um, he had only really been standing you know, stood up in his past fights, um, and he hadn't been tested on the ground, and it showed uh, pretty quickly. As soon as it went to the ground, you could hear Kennedy's corner just screaming, get up, get up, get up. And while you can scream all you want, you need some technical advice and, you know, know how how to do it in the cage. Um, So, I mean, Craig pulled out a fucking amazing triangle choke in the last round with fucking 40 seconds left. Uh, There's 420 had already ticked off the clock. Um, it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> before that, he was 1 for 15 on his takedowns. But he ended up getting the submission and choking him out, getting the tap. You know, within those uh, last uh, fleeting seconds. And it was amazing to see a guy that... Uh, that uh, and it was essentially losing the whole fight. He looked tired. He looked exhausted from trying to bring, you know, Kennedy's a big dude. And, you know, Craig's not a slouch either. He's pretty big himself. But uh, Kennedy's even bigger than him. So it was it was cool to see him um, to pull out the W. And I believe, yeah, he got a performance bonus for it. So congrats to Paul Craig on that. Going home with the extra 50 Gs in his pocket. Uh, the next fight was a good fight, a, a good uh, women's strawweight contender eliminator, essentially. Uh, the winner of this should, you know, if not be next in line, but next next in line at a title shot after uh, after Rose Namunas and um, Jessica Andrade fight uh, coming up here at UFC 237, I believe, in Brasil. Um, should be an exciting fight, but uh, this fight was between Carolina Colette Kovacevic and Michelle the Karate Hottie Watterson. Uh, and this fight went exactly how I was hoping it would go. Um, you know, I knew Carolina was very tough. Has challenged uh, you know, a young jig chick in the past for the title. She ended up losing, but she, you know, she didn't go down, uh, you know, on her back or in the fetal position. Uh, she went down swinging. Uh, it was a very, very great fight. Uh, I was kind of uncertain who won the first, but I gave it to the Karate Hottie just because, I don't know, honestly, I bet some money on her, and I was biased towards her, and I was rooting for her. Um, but I think she got the better in the first round. Um, and then in the s- second round, she got a, I think she got a takedown and held side control for most of the round. From uh, She got a hip toss from that, so she got in her clinch, got a nice hip toss, uh, and just had side control for most of the second, landed some elbows, um, Essentially, just dominate position. Didn't get off too much ground and pound, but enough to where the ref couldn't stand it up. So she definitely won that round. And then, oh, she almost had an armbar at the end of the second. Uh, I don't remember too much how the third ended, but I gave that one to Michelle Watterson as well. So I I scored the fight 30-27. Um, 
and so did all three judges and the crowdy hottie got w and i got got a little extra a little extra zeros in my betting account um so that was that was cool um it's cool to see the karate hottie uh finally string some some wins together versus some top competition and she's up there man she's got to be uh i forget what she was ranked uh going into this fight it might have been eighth but uh definitely top 10 uh if not top five i would give her top five and obviously a top three top three opponent um you know next uh and actually want to see what these what the rankings are um but yeah that was a good fight uh it was good uh good to watch these ladies scrap and although Carolina got the loss and lost all three rounds, in my opinion, and all three judges' opinion, I know she'll be back and be uh, be fighting someone here soon. So yeah, let's see who Michelle Watterson can grab next. Uh, Rose is the champ. Andrade is fighting her for the title. Joanna, I don't think that's a fight. Tatiana Suarez. I don't know if she has a fight either. Or is she about to fight Nina and Saraf? I think those two are about to fight. Claudia Gadelia. Weili Zhang. Ooh, I, I'd like I'd like to see the Karate Hottie versus Weili Zhang. And then the next one, whoever wins that, definitely gets a title shot. Um, or maybe she fights Claudia Gadelia next. Uh, unless she has something lined up, I don't know. Um, but we'll see in the future. Um, looks bright for her. And she said her, you know, ever since her daughter was born, she wants the first, uh, she wants to be the first women's MMA fighter, you know, to hold a UFC title while being a mother. Um, so I think it's a great goal, and I think she definitely has, uh, definitely has the potential to complete it. I believe she beat Rose Namajunas in the past, the past champion. So that's a good, uh, it's a good backstory right there. You know, just the rematch with Rose. You know, if Rose ends up. Getting the belt versus Andrade, you know, you just had that rematch, and that'll be a, that could be a top uh, selling fight. You know, the Karate Hottie's got a pretty good fan base behind her, and so does Rose, Rose Nami Unions. Um, so, yeah, it was a uh, good showing by her, and I look forward to seeing her back in the cage. And, uh, <clears throat> oh my god, this next fight was, was, was great uh, between Josh Emmett and Michael Johnson. Um, where are my notes on this? Uh, da, 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 da. So first round, actually, of this fight, I had nine nine. I wasn't really sure who won. I so I gave it a draw. Um, I don't know. Neither fighter did anything impressive or landed more punches. They were kind of just feeling each other out, trying to get the distance, their timing, um, and that stuff in the first. In the second round, I ended up giving it to Michael Johnson just because I thought he was the busier, more active guy, just landed more. Um, it was a good defensive wa- uh, fight to watch and just a uh, technical battle of distance and timing. Um, and maybe each guy probably respected each other too much and so they didn't engage as much as they should have, at least in the beginning. Um, then Josh Emmett, man, he KO'd Michael Johnson in the third round, four minutes and 14 seconds. Um in the third round with an overhand right and just shut the lights off um it made me jump out of my fucking out of my seat out of my couch out of my i got the stoner couch man you can't get out of that couch um even if you're completely sober it's hard to get out of that couch <laughs> and i was not sober while watching the fight so the fact that it made me jump out of this this amazing comfortable stoner couch it just goes to show that that was a God damn, that was, he got fucking clipped and he dropped them with one punch. And again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier, man. Emmett deserves a little extra money for that, dude. If you knock out Michael Johnson with one punch, you deserve a little extra dough in your account, man. Can't believe it. You know, I understand why he didn't get a performance bonus because there was some great, you know, there were some great performances after this, you know, in the in the ranks. You know, Craig, Paul Craig got one, as I said earlier, and then Jack Hermanson got one in the co-main event, and then the main event ended up being fight of the night. You know, I think it's silly, man. They're just being Scrooge McDuck. You know, either 
give a bonus for all finishes, 10 or 20 Gs, or give a performance bonus in the 50 Gs you have now and give it out more often. You know, he deserves some extra money, man. He just does, and it's not saying the other guys don't or that Emmett deserves it more than them, but I think they all deserve to get paid a little bit. So I, I really think that if you finish a fight, you should just get 10 or 20 Gs extra. You know, just get rid of the performance bonus because then it would just end up being the same cost anyway, if not cheaper. Probably cheaper if you only give out, even if you give out 20. So let's go, let's go off that logic. Um, Desmond Green would have got performance bonus. That's 20 Gs right there. Paul Craig would have got 20 from his triangle. So that's, that's 40. Josh Simmons would have got one for the overhand right. That's 60. And then... Hermanson would have got one for the guillotine, so that's 80. That's 80 Gs. Um, and you know what they should do is make it 10. Anytime you finish a fight, 10 Gs. And then you could still have the performance bonus, but you only give the performance bonus to one person. You give it to the person that had the greatest performance or the most exciting or surprising, whatever the criteria is on how whatever is the subjective selection criteria for that um and then you give a 50 g's to whoever the best is like i literally just said <laughs> and you'd probably end up spending the same money so if you did it here you know you'd have desmond green one paul craig two emmett three david branch four so that's four you're giving out forty thousand dollars for those finish and then you get a fifty thousand for the performance bonus um, so that's 90 G's right there. Either way, you're spending more money, but I think you, or you're spending less money. And, um, I don't know. I think it would just make guys, you know, more excited to fight and they'd push it more to go for that finish. You know, if you know, guaranteed you finish this guy, you get extra money in your bank account, you're going to go and try to finish him. But if you know, you know, performance bonuses are given out on a subjective basis and that, you know, Dana's got to like it and it's got to be at the right time. You got to hope somebody else doesn't have a more impressive knockout. Um, you know, then guys are just going to, okay, I'm just going to get the win, then, which is what they're going to do anyways. But if they know they have the win, if they know for a fact, 100%, they're going to, if they finish a guy, they get extra, you know, zeros in their bank account. They're, they're going to try to do that, man. That's just human. That's just how humans work. If you have a known incentive to do something, you're going to go that extra mile and do it. But if you don't, you're not. Especially when you're already putting your life on the line in a fucking cage, fighting with another human being trained to fuck you up. So I don't know. That's just what I have to say with that about that. I think Emmett deserves a little extra money. Even if it's behind closed doors, just give it to him, man. Just give him 5 Gs, 10 Gs, whatever. Because a man hasn't fought in a while. And when last time he did fight, you know, he looked good versus... Uh, Jeremy Stevens, he dropped Stevens in the first, but then second he got clipped and he got KO'd. So he hasn't fought in a while, and he came back and fought versus a very tough guy who was, yes, coming in on short notice, but he also didn't have time to plan for a Michael Johnson. And Michael Johnson's no scrub, man. Even though he's unranked and he's had some losses and he lost again here, dude's a legit UFC veteran. Um, and like I said before, if he... If he doesn't extend too much or get out of control, man, I think he can beat anybody at that division. Um, and I thought he looked good until, you know, he just his hand was down. And he just got clipped one time, and that's all it takes. And it was a bad knockout to watch, too. I mean, it was great to watch if you like knockouts, and who doesn't like watching knockouts? But uh, he clipped him, and, you know, the lights turned off, and he just dropped like a fucking, like a bundle of sticks. Um, you know, they just fell over like a tower and, or like a tree being cut down. That's how he fell. Like a lifeless tree being cut down. <laughs> and when he hit the ground, his head fucking whiplashed and hit the back of his head, hit the fucking canvas. And that's tough to watch, man. That's tougher to watch in my opinion than the actual, uh, the actual, you know, punch that clipped him and knocked him out in the first place because I feel like that's a lot more momentum. Have all your body weight uh, whiplashing and hitting the ground and you just 
get all that weight on the back of your head, which is the most vulnerable spot of your head. I think that's worse than um, than actually getting knocked out, you know, on the feet. It's when guys slam their head against the canvas, and I don't know how to prevent that. I really don't. Um, I don't know. I don't think you can. So I mean, it's just gonna keep happening. So I don't. I don't know what to say. But good performance by Emmett. Sucks Johnson got knocked the fuck out. Um, I look forward to seeing both of them in the future. Emmett, I believe, was number eight or number ten in the division. Um, so he deserves another top ten guy. And you know, he's a solid fighter. He just got clipped versus Steven, just like Emmett just clipped Johnson. So I mean, the guy deserves to be in top ten. You know, possibly a top five ranked guy. Um, I look forward to seeing him back in the cage and actually I'm gonna check out the rankings real quick to see if I can come up with who might who he should might face um, bu- 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 Josh Emmett featherweight 145 we got Bektik in front of him Cub Swanson with a good, good fight maybe a rematch with Jeremy Stevens he could fight Zabit but I'd rather see Zabit fight somebody above him uh I don't, Anoto Moncaño, Moncaño might be a good fight, or Alexander Volkanovsky, or Frankie Edgar, or any of those guys. Um, and then you got Ortega and Aldo, but I think they're going to be fighting each other, but 100% on that. I thought that was lined up, and I can't remember. Maybe I should look that up. But yeah, good fight. Um, so then the co-main event, we had David Branch versus Jack Hermanson, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier. Uh, Hermanson literally... Just went right straight ahead towards towards Branch um, and gave him master class in grappling. Um, he had a great, you know, he just uh, got in the clinch and had a great trip to get to the ground. And it was essentially over after that. He got him in a head and arm uh, guillotine and choked him out in 49 seconds in the first round. And this man's legit. I remember seeing Jack Hermanson fight uh, Gerald Mershot, who also fought on this card. Previously, they fought each other... Uh, Back at UFC Milwaukee, the last uh, card for Fox Sports 1, I was actually there and saw those fights live. Um, Jared Mershot's a grappler, and so is Jack Hermanson, um, but Hermanson's just on a whole other level. Um, he didn't even show any of his ground and pound. His ground and pound is fucking devastating, um, and he believes he's the best grappler in this game. He thinks he's better than Khabib. And although he hasn't really faced the same competition, David Branch is a solid dude. And he's a solid grappler. He's a black belt in uh, jiu-jitsu, I believe. Uh, Gracie jiu-jitsu at that, too. Um, so, yeah, this um, Jack Hermanson's a beast, man. He's legit. He deserves a top 15 ranking. Um, and they better fucking give it to him. Let's see. So that's middleweight. Oh, we got... Silva at 15, Elias Theodora, Uriah Hall, Antonio and Carlos Jr., David Brandt. And I should fight Brad Tavares. When was the last time Brad Tavares fought or Jared Cannonier? Um, I know Cannonier fought recently, but I don't think he's really beat anybody. How is he nine? Um, either of those guys would be good. Derek Brunson, maybe. Paulo Costa. Uh, I don't know if he's lined up to fight somebody. I don't know. But yeah, good showing by Hermanson. I really look forward to seeing him, you know, fight next. That dude is legit, man. Um, and now let's get to get to the to the main event. And if you don't know by now, then what the f- fuck have you been doing with your life? Oh no, my pen, my pen ran out. Oh, it's back. So yeah, main event, Edson Barboza versus Justin Gaethje. The main reason why we are here. And it was a straight bar burner. Gaethje just pressured at the opening bell. Barboza tried to keep his distance, use his legs, use his punches. But Gaethje doesn't give a fuck, man. He just fucking goes head first like a fucking wrecking ball. And he wrecked up Barboza, man. Before, you know, we could even see Barboza establish a game plan. We're just super smart at Gaethje, man. And he just pressured him and KO'd him with the right hook. Got it done pretty quickly in the first round, two minutes and 30 seconds in, you know, halfway through the round. And 
kind of saw this coming, but I wasn't real confident in it because Barboza is a beast. He's a master at distance and timing. Um, accuracy, speed, and his kicks are just fucking filthy. But, you know, Gaethje's just a fucking monster, man. And, you know, I don't know if anyone could stop him. The only one that stops him is literally if his, his body, his mental makeup will, won't stop. You can tell this guy's mentally strong. Even if you hurt him, he's going to keep coming. And he's going to keep fighting either till he finishes you or you finishing him. And Man, it's fucking exciting to watch, dude. And You know, he deserves to be nothing but main card fighting. And, you know, people were picking on him in the past. You know, how's this guy, you know, already ahead of me in the rankings? Or how's he getting main card fights and I'm not... That's because that good dude fights like a fucking monster, man. You know, he might not have the smartest strategy in the game, but uh, I think he's also kind of putting that out there so people, his opponents think he doesn't have a strategy. And Woodley was saying this in the post-fight. He thinks he's kind of conned everyone to thinking that he just goes in there and brawls with no game plan. Well, that's just not the case because... Uh, his game plan is to fucking attack you and pressure and smother you and fuck you up. That is a game plan. And it works for him, man. And it only works, and it only doesn't work when a guy's able to counteract that with, uh, you know, the same exact uh, mentality back at him. That's why Eddie, the underground king, Alvarez beat him and why Poirier beat him. And now he has a shot at the title. So, I mean, Gaethje only deserves to go up from here. You know, people above him, they have Cerrone ranked above him. Maybe Barboza, Kevin Lee stepping up to 170 for a fight. You know, he could fight Ally Quinta, but Iaquinta, I believe, is already signed to fight somebody. I forget who, though. Uh, Poirier's fighting for the title. McGregor's not fighting for a while, probably. And Ferguson, who knows? So I don't know where Gaethje goes from here, but he deserves somebody top five for sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, great night of fights. Um, I guess just going, picking back and off Gaethje, Paul Felder called him out. It's not like he called him out, but Paul Felder wanted the winner of, of this fight between Barboza and, and Gaethje. Felder's ranked number nine now, so I mean, he's right below Gaethje before the, before this weekend. Uh, when they had him at the post-fight show, they had Gaethje up the desk, and Paul Felder was there with, uh, Woodley and Karen Bryant and Felder said he'd like to challenge Gaethje because you know he wants to be the best and to be the best you got to beat the best and <laughs> Gaethje was kind of funny about it man he was like I thought you guys liked this guy Felder you know you don't want him to get hurt <laughs> and you could tell he wasn't like trying to purposely talk shit but he like genuinely meant it he's like you guys don't want me to hurt your guy do you and I don't know, we'll see. You might be right, but Felder's a tough son of a bitch too. As I said before, the only person that can beat a crazy psychopath is another fucking psychopath. And Felder's that dude, man. That dude fights with the fucking broken limbs and, you know, collapsed lungs and shit. And like, I'd sign up for that fight. You know, I'd take my money now for that. Um, but we'll see. Gaethje seemed really adamant about wanting somebody you know, ranked above him, even though he said the rankings are bullshit, um, so I don't know, we'll see how that goes, I would watch that fight, we'll see if Gaethje wants it, I know Felder wants it, but, uh, yeah, we'll see where that goes, um, in other news, uh, JDS Junior Dos Santos and Francis Nagano have agreed to fight at UFC 239, which I believe is also the July 8th card with Bones and, uh, Tiago Santos and Nunes vs. Home. So that's already shaping up to be an amazing card. Uh, can't wait to watch that shit. And I knew uh, I knew the UFC would put on a great card around July 4th. They always do. And you know, I'm excited they are, but I'm a little upset that I won't be there. <laughs> Just because uh, my best friend is getting married in September, and we were planning a bachelor party. It's already planned now. Plans are set. We're going on a cruise. Where are we going? 
around Memorial Day weekend. Uh, the only the other weekend we were thinking of doing things was uh, July Fourth week and weekend. Um, and I told them, yeah, man, we could do that weekend. And I bet you if we go to Vegas, because we were thinking about going to Vegas, because that's the prime spot to go over a bachelor party. But um, yeah, I told them if it was in Vegas, I bet you there'd be a great July 4th card or July 8th that weekend. And I was fucking right. You know, I said maybe McGregor might be on there, but it doesn't look like that's going to shake up because I guess he quote unquote retired. But Bones is on there, so even better. And then we got Nunes versus Holm. It'll be one of the biggest uh, women's fight ever. Um, Amanda Nunes essentially beat every, every top... No, she has beat every top women's uh, MMA fighter in history. Besides Holly Holm. You know, she... Um, Kato, or she, she fucked up. Misha Tate, after Tate won the belt from Holly Holm, when Holly Holm beat Ronda. And then... Nunez beat Ronda when she came back and fucked her up uh, and basically ended her MMA career forever. Um, and then Nunez just recently starched fucking Chris Iborg, who we all thought was the best women's and male fighter of all time. So it's obviously Nunez now. And if she beats Holmes, then there's clearly no denying it because she would have beat anybody and everybody that has challenged her and, uh, yeah, that'll be an exciting fight as well. Um, and I recently read, you know, just going off more news. Uh, Robert Whitaker was has been me- medically cleared to start training again, so that's pretty cool. Um, it's April first today, April Fool's Day, so I hope that's not a joke. I don't think it is. It's a stupid joke. Um, but Asanya and uh, Gastelum are fighting for the interim belt in two weekends from now. So by the time, you know, the, that fight is concluded and the winner is found, you know, Whitaker should be back into training, you know, full blast and be ready to sign a deal shortly thereafter. And hopefully, you know, whoever wins that fight isn't badly injured or anything like that. And they'll be able to make a fight, you know, pretty quickly, maybe sometime in, in August or September. Um, it'd be great to see. Great to see Whitaker out there versus one of those guys. Um, so yeah, I'm glad, he, glad he's cleared and back at it. Um, also, I read or I read a headline stating that Aldo has a knee infection and possibly is putting his two thirty seven uh, appearance in doubt. Uh, and now those headlines aren't even showing anymore so i don't know um i haven't got any sports center alert about it or anything so maybe it hopefully it's not too big of a deal um because i would suck i believe aldo is it aldo and um i thought aldo and ortega were gonna fight but i can't remember i felt like i thought that's what the fight was um, <laughs> let me find here. While I look for that, uh, Valentina Shevchenko signed a new deal with the UFC, a flyweight championship. Um, she's been in the UFC since 2015, and looks like she'll be here for a lot longer. Uh, terms were not disclosed, but... Oh no, Aldo's fighting Alexander Volkanovsky. Ah. Okay, okay, I like that. I like that matchup. That's a good matchup uh, instead of Ortega. I would have liked to see Ortega and Aldo, but uh, I like Volkanovsky too. And he's fighting the number one challenger, man. So if he wins, man, he deserves that belt. He deserves that shot. And that guy, Volkanovsky, looks like the real deal. So I hope Aldo's not hurt and he's be able to. He's able to get back in there. Um, and I actually got an alert while doing this that uh, that De- Josh Barnett, former UFC fighter, long, uh, youngest UFC heavyweight title holder in UFC history, which I believe he won it from Randy Couture. I actually watched that fight probably a couple weeks ago. So I'm trying to watch all the old UFC pay-per-view events. But uh, 
yeah, they did, what was the what was the exact headline? But essentially, he signed with Bellator uh, MMA for for a fight. It doesn't say. I don't see any terms here, but he's literally signed it today. Um, so it looks like he'll be fighting in Bellator going forward. Um, he's suspended for the UFC for over two years because of a tainted supplement. Uh, he had a test come back uh, positive for banned substance, but then they later proved... I think they later proved that it was from a tainted supplement, but he already had been out for two years, and then his contract expired, so... He was just kind of left in limbo, not being able to do anything. He did compete in some jiu-jitsu tournaments and things like that. Um, like uh, Quintet and some other events. But he hasn't been able to fight MMA, which sucks because Barnett, solid dude. Although he's been doing it for a while and he's 41 now. Uh, he still looks like he's in good shape. He still competes all the time. He's still training. As I said, he's been doing jiu-jitsu uh, competitions. So he's in shape and... You know, he's an exciting guy to watch. Um, so, I don't know. We'll, we'll see who they line up for him in, in, uh, in Bellator. Maybe they just give him fucking um, Ryan Bader right away. Why not? I mean, who else is in there to f- for Bader to fight? I mean, Bader's beat everybody in light, heavy, and heavyweight. So, just give... They should just give him uh, name fights from here on out. You know, guys just to make him and the promotion some money because... You know, who the fuck's going to beat him? But, um, yeah. Cool for him to fight. I'd rather see him in the UFC, but it's whatever. He'll probably get paid more in Bellator and actually have a better chance to win the belt. I don't think there's a chance at the UFC heavyweight belt, but who knows? UFC heavyweight division's full of the dinosaurs. So, who knows? But he won't be there. He'll be in Bellator, so can't even think about it. So, fuck it. Um, so that's essentially news, and just real quick to close this out, I want to talk about Eddie, which I guess this is news as well, but I'll talk about Eddie Alvarez and Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson's uh, debut appearances in one FC, uh, one championship. Um, it was crazy. I think it goes to show that these guys are legit fighters over there in one championship over there in uh, over there in China or in Asia. That, that market, although we don't know any of the guys because they're, you know, born and trained and bred and raised there. Um, you know, probably most Americans can't even say their names. But, you know, a lot of people thought they would just run through the competition and get the belt, you know, pretty quickly. But that's clearly not the case. Uh, Eddie Alvarez got knocked out in the second round. He looked a shell of himself. I think he... I think he thought what we all thought. We all thought he would run through anybody and everybody. And he got in there and realized, I forgot the guy's full name, but they call him some. They call him Nasty because Nasty's in his last name. It's like Nasty something something. But uh, dude's nasty. And he had some fucking power shots in him. He had some power in his hands. And I think, and you could kind of see it the first time he tagged Alvarez pretty good. He kind of looked shell-shocked and was like, oh, fuck, this is an actual fight. Um, and he got knocked out in the second round. And, you know, honestly, got dominated, and he just looked bad. Just real bad. It looked a bad look for the UFC, bad look for Alvarez. And, you know, his stock's just going to decline even further now. Because um, now the people and, like, the, the fan base at 1FC thinks he's a, not that he's a joke, but he's not... He's not title contender worthy in their own, you know, promotion. And that's why he was brought over there is to bring, you know, big name guys over there. And now Alvarez thought he'd probably was holding all the cards. He probably is making a little more money because he's one of the couple faces for the U.S. market in one championship. But, you know, now that he lost in his first fight in the quarterfinals, you know, is essentially out of the tournament to win the $1 million for the belt, um... Who knows where he goes from here? I'm sure he still has, you know, fights on his deal with one championship. But, um, yeah, man, I suck seeing the underground king and a legend of the USC go over into a 
foreign market and get his ass kicked, you know, and basically just look like shit. Um, so yeah, um, and then piggybacking off of that, uh, DJ did get the win. He got uh, got armbar in the second round, I believe. Um, but it wasn't easy, man. It, and I think this is probably the most challenging he fight he faced uh, besides Cejudo. Um, but the guy that DJ fought, he clipped him a lot more than Cejudo did. He got clipped several times, and you know he didn't drop DJ or he didn't really stumble him, but you could tell he clipped him and it kind of stunned him for a second and realized, oh, fuck, um, I need to take this guy down. And that was pretty evident that uh, he was getting clipped on the feet, so DJ Mighty Mouse was uh, going for those takedowns pretty hard, and he got him successfully most of the time and eventually, you know, got position and, and got the arm and got the and got the submission, got the tap. Um, so congrats to him, congrats to getting the W, and... I hope he wasn't taking that guy lightly. Um, so I don't think Mighty Mouse does that. But who knows? You can get used to the, being the champ for so long. And he was in the UFC. And even though he lost his last fight, it was still close. So he still probably thought he was head and shoulders above anybody else in this promotion. But I think both these guys learn pretty quickly. A fight's a fight. Well, they should already know that, first of all. But, you know, these guys are legit dudes just because you don't know their name or can't pronounce them or no one's ever heard of them. The United States doesn't mean they're legit fighters, man. And I think they went out and proved it, and I think that's great for one championship. They went out and proved that they got legit fighters. Um, so I think more and more people will be watching. I think I, I mean, I will be if, you know, I'm not going to be staking out fights for, you know, the guys I don't know and stuff, but if Mighty Mouse or Eddie Alvarez or Sage Northcutt or, you know, further guys end up going over there and they start fighting, then I'll start watching more and more. I'll start you know, put in the back of mind, oh yeah, there's one FC fights this weekend, you know, and I didn't even know these fights were this weekend, um, I didn't know until I got a fucking notification on my, on my phone from Sports Center saying, oh, Eddie Alvarez knocked out, or, um, Mighty Mouse gets the armbar, and I got that at like three in the morning, because these fights were in Asia, now if I had known that, I would have stayed up, I was contemplating staying up that entire night anyway, I was up 30 minutes before that, and then I went to bed, so, well, upset I missed them live, but I went back and rewatched them and, you know, got the gist of it. They were both quick fights, so it wasn't too bad. But yeah, um, that's pretty much for me right now. I don't think I have, I don't think I have anything else to, to talk about. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Yeah, I don't see any news uh, that, uh, it's really relevant right now, so I'll go ahead and stop this, and yep, this completion of MMA series number seven for Kyle High Club, I'll be back later in the week with the regular Kyle High Club recording, um, and I won't have a preview this week, because there's no fights this weekend, um, are there fights the next weekend, I know there's fight, I know UFC 236 is the 13th of April, okay, so that is next weekend. So I'll be back next week with a preview for UFC 236. You know, I'll do research as I, I did last time in the preview episode, get to know who these guys are from top to bottom of the fight card, and go for there. Excited for those uh, fights. That will be uh, Holloway and Dustin Poirier for the 155 interim belt while Habib is out. Um, yeah, it's an exciting fight, exciting card, and I'll be talking about that later. Uh, love you guys. See you soon. Bye.